Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading uh, this evening is from Acts chapter 3, um, from verse 1 reading to chapter 4 to verse 4, and that can be found on page 1094 in the Church Bibles. Peter heals a lame beggar. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshment may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. 
They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Emily, very much. And uh, friends, it's great to be back with you. Um, and, uh, and back in Acts as well. Uh, I don't know whether you picked up. We've uh, finished a few chapters in John's Gospel, and we're going to be doing Acts now uh, throughout the rest of the summer, going up to Acts chapter 10. I'm, I'm really loving my study in Acts. I hope we'll have a good time uh, in it all together. Let's pray, asking for Jesus' help. Our Father in heaven, uh, please, might we see Jesus. Might we see Jesus glorified. Might we know more of him today. Might our faith uh, be built up. Might we be able to live for him. Please, Lord, do a good work amongst us now as we receive your word by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do keep your Bibles open if you can, please. Um, Acts chapter 3 on page 1094. And I want to ask this question. How do we find true well-being? Is there a way to discover wholeness? How can we get things across the whole picture of our lives in good order into a healthy and happy place? You know, we're thinking about all things, uh, physical, mental, relational, emotional, spiritual, all well-being for us. People do talk about well-being and wholeness uh, a lot these days. There's a desire to flourish as the person we're meant to be. You'll come across it in all sorts of places if you're looking for it. For me, I'm not a, a regular newspaper reader, but if I do get the newspaper, I'll get one at the weekend because I like all the supplements. You know, the magazines, the bits on travel and culture and uh, sport or, you know, money or, or um, whatever it is. And there's always something somewhere on looking after yourself. It could be that feature on health and diet and not just with a view to, to living longer but living happier. It could be about the perfect places to go on holiday, to get away from it all. Maybe even going on a wellness retreat. I've seen those advertised. It could be something about work-life balance. We, we know it's really important, don't we? Mindfulness comes up a lot as you look at that. If you don't know what mindfulness is, it's the practice of purposefully bringing your attention to the present moment and the things going on around you and just considering it all, noticing it all. Even my boys who are at nursery do mindfulness exercises. Now, I'm not knocking these things, but just noticing the rise in all of this, as part of our culture's concern for individual well-being, we want to be whole, we want to be well, and not just in the physical health sense. Now, the Christian claim is that we ultimately find wholeness by coming to Jesus. 
But I wonder if we're sure about that. Is Jesus actually the answer? He's not even present with us. We've just got the Bible and church telling us these things, and so doubts creep in. Maybe one of those other things might be more effective. Today we're back in Acts. If you remember from when we were in Acts a few months ago, the purpose of Acts, along with Luke, which was the prequel, is to give us confidence to believe in Jesus. But in Acts, we're also learning confidence to join in the mission of the church. You see, the first readers of Acts were people who had heard about Jesus, but were not there to see him in person. They were separated by time. They were a number of years later. And they were separated by geography. They lived in other countries. And they were not going to meet Jesus as he's back in heaven. So there's this natural element of doubt which might have been coming in. Well, we get it even more so. Only ours is an even bigger distance of geography and an even bigger distance of time. We won't meet Jesus physically. We only get the church and the message of him in the Bible. And so the same doubt comes in. We want that wholeness. We want that well-being. And we're wondering, have we come to the right place? And our friends, the people around us, they're seeking it as well. Do we have the confidence to say to them, hey, you can find it here with Jesus? Well, this story, early in Acts chapter 3, this is the first miracle, uh, and it will give us some of that confidence. Jesus is still the real deal, even though not here. And he is therefore the channel of God's promised restoration. That's what I hope we'll see today. Well, let's start with the miracle itself and the basic explanation in verses 1 to 16. And here we'll see that Jesus is the real deal because he's powerful when not even present. He's the real deal because he's powerful when not even present. Look, it's a remarkable story, isn't it? An amazing miracle. Verse 1, Peter and John, they're going up to uh, pray at the temple. There's this man here begging because he's lame. He has been lame since his birth. He's at the gate called Beautiful. I don't know why it has that name, but I sense this guy's probably seen the uglier side of life. Peter and John come along, and he calls out to them as he would to anyone. They look at him, he looks at them, and his life is about to change. Verse 6, this is just one of those beautiful lines, it sticks with you. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Peter and the apostles had been given authority by Jesus to do miracles. Uh, he did them himself, and he taught them how to do them as well. And there's a similarity here to some of the miracles that Jesus did in the Gospels. Beggars met by Jesus and not given money, but given healing. And he gets complete restoration. He's helped up, and his feet and his ankles become instantly strong. 
He's suddenly jumping and walking and praising God. Verse 9, the people see, they recognize him, and just like when Jesus did it, they are all amazed. What a beautiful thing to happen at the gate called beautiful. Now, a couple of times in this passage, we'll see that Peter has learnt first from Jesus and then passes on what he's experienced. Many times in the Gospels, wasn't he so confused? Wasn't he doubting? There were times when they tried miracles and it didn't work. But since seeing the risen and ascended Jesus, he's moved from a place of confusion to confidence. He does this miracle confidently in the name of Jesus and then he speaks confidently of Jesus. Verse 12 onwards, Peter says it's all about him. Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. We've got no power in ourselves. We did this in the name of Jesus. Ours is a second-hand power. Now look, this does prove their authenticity as, uh, as Jesus' witnesses. They don't make that point here, though. It does, though, for us, doesn't it? But even more, this is proof that though he's not here, Jesus is still Lord. He's been glorified by the Father. Verse 13, Peter reminds them about how they had treated Jesus. You handed him over, you disowned him, you even had him killed. He claimed to be the Holy One, the Righteous One. He claimed to be the author of life, but you were having none of it. But then God raised him. We saw it. We're the witnesses. And let this miracle be proof also to you. You can see this now, can't you? You can't deny this man. Well, we did it in the name of Jesus. It's an amazing miracle, isn't it? Because... There's an amazing Lord. Jesus is on his throne in heaven and he's still powerfully at work. Even though he's not here. Oh, brothers and sisters, we don't get to see Jesus. We'd love to, wouldn't we? One day we will. Now there's this distance, now there's this separation And inevitably, it means we start to doubt. Have you had that? Just thinking, is he the real deal? Is he worth living my life differently for? Why am I battling so hard against sin? Why am I not just giving in and going along with everyone? It's hard keeping our allegiance to someone not physically with us who we've never met, who lived 2,000 years ago, 
Long distance relationships are hard enough, aren't they? Trying to keep up a relationship when you, uh, when you go off to different universities, often they don't last. Trying to keep up a friendship when you don't live in the same place. Your lives drift apart, don't they? Oh, I know that. How are we going to keep our faith in Jesus when he's not present with us? Well, we need these moments which remind us that he's still on the throne. He is the real deal. Moments like this in Acts, this really happened. Proof that though not physically present, he's still powerfully at work. And moments today too, 2,000 years later, when we see him at work, we see people coming to faith. That's still happening. We see answers to prayer. Look out for them. Be encouraged. Jesus is the real deal. Now, our encounter with him is through the testimony of the apostles, the written account in the Bible, which we receive amongst his people, the church. It's different to meeting him physically, but because he's still on the throne, he's just as much our savior. Faith in his name is still well-placed. And for those here who don't believe in Jesus, uh, just a word for you. We love having you here. We're so glad you're taking an interest. I suppose the key question for you is, how will you explain Jesus? The stories in the Gospels, the miracles, the things that the eyewitnesses said they saw, his death, his resurrection, and all that happened next, all these stories through Acts, the early church, the global impact now, the complete reshaping of society's values. How do you explain all that? Personally, I think it's the ongoing power of Jesus. He's the real deal because he's powerful when not even present. Then secondly, Jesus is the real channel of God's promised restoration. This is the rest of Peter's speech, verses 17 to 26. He's the real channel of God's promised restoration. We're looking for personal restoration, aren't we? We're looking for that, that sort of well-being. You know, that's why I'm looking in the Saturday supplements. I hear there's loads on social media as well. Um, but I think we actually love restoration generally as a sort of an idea. You see all those shows now, um, you know, like the Repair Shop on BBC, do people watch that? It's a lovely show, isn't it? It's sort of a, 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 a special item being restored to how it should be. Or, uh, or you see those home makeover shows, DIY, SOS, all that sort of thing. It's, it's the joy of seeing something cleaned up and make, made new. Do you know, we even see it in, in, in nature as well sometimes. Have you seen those, um, those sort of documentaries on, on rewilding and, and, a, and a, uh, an environment sort of coming back to its, uh, its former glory with sort of um, uh, species and things all coming back? Do you know, our desire for that, that all comes from the heart of God who loves to restore things. And that's what we see here as well. 
Back to Peter's speech. They've had Jesus killed. God raised him. Here's the evidence. So what does that mean for you? Verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, you've seriously got it coming to you. No. I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. This is so gracious. Peter has learned from Jesus, hasn't he? He's learned about miracles, but he's also learned the gracious heart of God. I know you acted in ignorance. How many times had he acted in ignorance? And he'd always been restored by Jesus. He had disowned Jesus three times. He knows the depths of grace, and he offers it to them as well. And you know, this should be our model for talking about sin, I think. Sometimes we're nervous to talk about sin. We, uh, we fear talking about it. We think we'll put people off. Maybe even worse, we might do harm by talking about sin. Do we, do we harm our kids by telling them they're sinners? Some would say so. Our culture takes a very different line, doesn't it? Uh, the culture's message is constant affirmation. You're great. You can achieve anything. Be who you want to be. Now, that in of itself has long-term consequences. It's a development which has its own problems. A lot of people in their 20s, people I meet, they get a stark dose of reality, having heard that all their childhood, and then it doesn't fit. Suddenly, I'm not achieving everything I want to. Life is harder than I expected. People have done terrible things to me, and I don't know how to process it. Maybe I've made big mistakes. Does that mean I'm a terrible person? Sin is a reality, so we talk about it, but with barrel loads of grace and being very honest about our own experience as well. We teach our children that they sin, they do bad things, it's in their nature, but we love them so much And we make sure they know that God loves them so much. We don't beat them down with sin, but build them up with spiritual health as they learn about grace. That's what Peter's doing here. He's exposed their sin, and then he's saying there is grace. Verse 19, repent then. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. It's a promise of restoration for those who turn back to God, and it's past, present, and future. It's whole. The things done in the past are wiped out. As a group, they've got this charge sheet against them with the biggest thing being, you killed Jesus. Individually, they'll all have their own tales of living without God. But Peter's saying it can all be wiped clean. You can be declared innocent. Select all, delete. Jesus paid for it. In the present, receive times of refreshment. Receive the Holy Spirit. Come back into right relationship with God. 
You see, when the peace in the middle is right, everything else fits into place around it. This is the heart of wholeness and well-being. We can be at peace with God, and then that ripples out in every direction. It will change our relationships and our perspective on things. And not immediately and not completely, but it will change our spiritual and physical and mental well-being. You know, you go on holiday and you get this sort of sense of refreshment, don't you? And everything just feels better. When you get right with God, you get such a sense of refreshment in life. It's even a new birth that everything in time around is affected by it. And for the future, Jesus will be sent back to us. He will come, verse 21, at the set time for him to restore everything. Refreshment now does not mean perfection now, no troubles now, but there is a promise for that one day. When the world and all of us within it will be restored to what we were meant to be. Like on the repair shop, that precious creation. It's ruined, but the master builder will fully repair it. Fully repair this world. And fully repair each one of us. It will be our perfect wholeness. The miracle shows that Jesus is Lord, yes, but it's also a picture of this restoration that he offers. It was so full and wonderful. His ankles and his legs were made strong. He was leaping and bounding with joy. He was a new man. In Isaiah chapter 35, these very images are used to describe that final restoration So seeing it, they should realize this is the beginning of the ultimate restoration of us all and of the whole world. And this whole thing, past, present, and future, is being offered graciously to those who just killed Jesus. And it's being offered to us. It's an amazing offer from Peter, uh, but look at this also. He fills it out by showing that this has been promised for a long time. There's loads of Old Testament in this speech. We don't have time to go into it all. But the point is, God promised restoration, and it's now happening through Jesus. Verse 18, the prophets said this would happen. The Messiah was going to suffer. You might think of Isaiah 53. Of course you were going to kill him. Verse 22, Moses said this greater prophet was coming. He must be listened to. If not, you'll be cut off because there's no salvation apart from with him. Verse 24, Samuel and all the others foretold these very days. And then right back to the beginning, to Abraham and the great promise of God through your offspring All peoples on earth will be blessed. God always said he was going to pour out his blessing. He always promised 
restoration at some point. He said it would be through the suffering servant, through the prophet greater than Moses, through a descendant of Abraham. And so, verse 26, God has raised Jesus and you, are, you first are being offered that promised blessing. It's here, now. You've been waiting for it and it's come through Jesus. He's the real channel of God's promised restoration. So can I speak again to our non-Christian guests? This offer and call is for you. Repent. Turn to God that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshment may come from the Lord. Are you seeking wholeness? well-being, those things being put right? Have you been trying the stuff in the Saturday supplements or, or what you're seeing on, on, from the social media influencer? Is it working? Is it getting to the heart of who you are? The more you try, don't you realize there's a problem in our hearts? We can't really change. It's our sin. It's our rejection of God. Everything, therefore, is out of place. Please, turn to Jesus for forgiveness. Find him in the Bible and meet him with his people and receive what you are seeking, full restoration. And Christians... Let's have confidence. Though far away and many years later, and having ne never met Jesus, this is the place to be. This is the place of restoration. I hope you know it. I hope you're experiencing it. Don't go looking elsewhere. But even more, invite others in. Have confidence to join the mission of the church. Bring people to Jesus. They need him. We are in the right place. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for giving us Jesus, the one more precious than silver and gold. Thank you that in him there is full salvation, there is restoration. And one day this world and each one of us will be completely restored, we will be made whole. Thank you so much for our Lord Jesus. Give us faith in him, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh,